1: Good afternoon, everybody! This is Luke Wayne filling in for Matt Slick here on Matt Slick Live. Matt is engaged in ministry elsewhere today, as he was yesterday, and so I am a colleague of Matt's at the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, that's karm.org. And for those of you who are new to the show, this is a radio outreach of the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. And so our focus is Christian apologetics. We uh, We engage in the area of Christian uh, Christian theology that is uh, focused on the defense of the Christian faith, answering objections, addressing difficult issues in Christian theology. Uh, difficult biblical passages, comparative religion, cults. Uh, the, if you have questions about these issues, you can give us a call at 877-207-2276. Uh, I've been uh, serving with Matt here at CARM for about seven years now. Uh, in January, it'll be seven years, and primarily as a writer and researcher, but also as a missionary in Utah. i spent a lot of time talking to people on sidewalks engaged in uh, missions and outreach there. And so if you if you go on the website and you read our articles and you wonder how do we know what to write about, where do our questions come from? Well, some of it comes from, as the name would say, apologetics and research ministry. We We do in-depth research on a wide variety of topics, and we'll write as the topics come up through that research And also from callers and and users like you who write into us, call us on the show, and that will lead to our articles, but another area is that everyone involved in CARM is a missionary. We spend time on the street talking with people from other worldviews, interacting and having gospel conversations, and the questions they ask, the difficulties that they raise, often Lead us to dig into those issues and write those articles. And so, when you're reading on the website, you're often reading the result of an evangelistic conversation we've had with people from various religious and non-religious backgrounds. And that is, you know, that's ultimately what karma is all about. As we we want to see the the lost reached. We want to see Christians equipped to reach their friends, their neighbors, their family workers, their coworkers, the strangers in their community from various backgrounds, and to have the resources to be able to bridge those worldview gaps and answer the difficult questions. And so if you are wrestling with those kind of questions, call us, 877-207-2276, and we look forward to talking to you guys. If, you, if you've been following us for a long time, and you've been blessed by our ministry— We are able to keep doing what we do. God provides for us primarily through people like you who prayerfully support us and support, kindly support us with, uh, with the gifts of one time or even uh, more, more helpfully monthly donations. And so if you would consider, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, go to carm.org. That's C-A-R-M. Uh, dot org slash donate, and it'll bring you to our partnership page and give you information about how you can, whatever what, whatever you can afford to do, $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month, whatever works in your budget would be extremely helpful in helping us continue to equip Christians around the world and here in the United States, reaching people on the internet, through the airwaves and face-to-face on sidewalks. And so we would greatly appreciate your support if you can help. Uh, Then that said, thank you so much to those of you who have supported us and do support us all these years in your regular prayers and in your gifts. Uh, You are truly partners with us. Um, When we hand a tract to someone, you put that tract in our hand. You allowed us to be on that sidewalk, and we thank you so much for that. Now, that said, let's get to the phones. Our first caller is John from North Carolina. John, you are on the air.
2: Well, hello. So, no, it's the Raleigh area is where I'm from. But uh, speaking of world views, I talk with atheists quite a bit, and they – one of the questions that gets me – I was just curious as to what your response would be um, – Number one, I had a good friend when I was in the Air Force who told me that he was never—he never asked to be born, so he will not worship God. Uh, atheists come up with this thing about a vengeful God that demands worship is wouldn't shouldn't be a friend of mine. And how can a loving God throw someone into hell if they refuse to worship Him? It's—it's it's just got me down recently because you know there's all the pat answers and stuff about a just God. It you know. Demands. Uh,
1: what is, I'm just curious as what you would, uh, how you would respond to that. Um, yeah, it's it is a, a very important question. It how you how you respond can often deal with the individual and where they're really coming from. If their situation deals with a very specific and recent raw area of emer- of emotional hurt, and they are lashing out at god because of the pain of what they're going through then you know you're going to take a more pastoral approach to meet them where they are if it's more of an intellectual objection okay well there are people out there hurting in the world and i'm not going to worship a god because and, he, and and it's just so terrible all these people who don't know the gospel and he's there and god's going to um, throw them into hell and that's terrible then yeah, the answer, uh, is, there's multiple points to it, but a central aspect is, you know, you said that the justice of God is a, is a pat answer. I really don't believe that that's true. The fact of the matter is, is that when we recognize the moral guilt that every single one of us bears, that it's not that God is sending otherwise wonderful, good, innocent people to hell simply because they won't worship Him. That isn't what's happening. That's not what's happening at all. God is justly and righteously punishing people for their evil, and yet He graciously and mercifully offers forgiveness, redemption, eternal life, even adoption as His sons, fellowship, with uh, With him forever in all of his goodness, and that uh that is that is merciful that is a, that is a merciful reality now romans one uh it, it, it's an interesting thing that one of the points you brought up is the idea that, oh well, I ever asked to be born and and Romans one points out how. That heart of ingratitude at the gift of life, the gift of all the good that they have, is the source of many other sins, the source of the, of the suppression of the truth. Um, in Romans 1, beginning at verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. "...for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse." Now, a lot of apologists stop there and focus on the evidence of what we can see around us, the suppression of the truth and unrighteousness, but if we read the next verse, verse 21 says, "...for although they knew God..." they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him.
2: Yeah, that's very important. And therefore they
1: became futile. They became became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so one of the greatest poisons to our heart towards God is ingratitude, when that we have so much to be grateful for, and yet we will turn around and spurn God for those very things, the life and breath that we have will say, Well, I never asked. I never asked to be alive when I don't deserve it. I never la- asked for every joy I've ever experienced, every good meal I've ever eaten. I never asked to be wiser than the animals, to be able to think and reason and know and love, and to be able to have fellowship with others, to be able to have the joy of life. I never asked for any of that. Yeah, you didn't. And God graciously gave you beauty and goodness. And... um this is this is really a biblical approach. In uh in Acts fourteen, Paul uses this very he he recognizes that this is what needs to be uh that, that this area of the heart needs to be dealt with when we're dealing with unbelievers. In uh if you recall the story when Paul and Barnabas were doing ministry and they healed a man and the pagans around mistook them for pagan gods, Zeus and Hermes, hiding in the form of men, and so they were coming out and perhaps even going to worship them. And in verse 15, Paul says, "...Men, why are you doing these things? We're just men like you, with a nature like yours. And we bring you good news, that you should turn from these same things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And past generations, he allowed all nations to walk in their own ways." Yet he did not leave them without a witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. What's Paul doing? He's trying to provoke them to gratitude, to thankfulness. He's helping them realize how much good God has already done for him, for them, even though they don't know him yet. And that is a part, um, that sometimes we miss. In our evangelism, is to recognize that when there's the barrier of ingratitude, ungratefulness, and resentfulness towards God, all of our reasons and our arguments and our our premises and our evidences are going to fall on deaf ears because that core of ingratitude makes a significant barrier, and that's where we need to prod them. Does that make sense?
2: That really is at the heart of it, isn't it? Yes, that makes perfect sense. That is at the heart of it, is is ingratitude for even being here, and that's why they hate God. That's awesome. Thanks, man.
1: Hey, no problem. Thank you for calling. All All right. That was John from North Carolina. Now let's go to Alberto from Georgia. Alberto, you are on the air.
3: Yes, good evening, sir. I, I got a question. I heard a sermon by Michael Youssef, and called behind the the curtain, and he said that when a Christian dies, you know, instantly you'll be with to press with the Lord.
1: Okay, and what's 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 your question about that?
3: that the dead and Christ
1: will
3: rise first and those hello?
1: who are alive think about uh, hello I'm right here yes oh hello? sorry I think you, you were cutting me? out on my end I, 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 I couldn't hear you for some of that I apologize um,
3: okay let me repeat it again
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah well, if, if you, you could
3: was, yeah I heard a sermon oh, that that produced,
2: I'm sorry
1: Alberto yeah, the music's good. coming on. we're going into a break so I'm going to have to put you back on hold real quick So if you could think through and how to formulate that question real quick, we'll get right back to it after this short break.
3: All right. right. Sorry about
0: that. It's Matt Slick Live! Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Luke Wayne filling in from Netflix this afternoon. But give me a call at 877-207-2276. We'd love to answer your questions on Christian apologetics, biblical theology, comparative religion, church history. Uh, so jump on in. We would love for you to join the conversation. Let's get back on the line with Alberto from Georgia. All right, Alberto, you're back on the air. Sure.
3: Yes, okay, sir. So what I was asking was I heard a sermon from the Michael Youssef. Said, he said, when a Christian dies, he'll be, he'll be we're present with the Lord with a glorified body. But I thought that the book of Corinthians says that those, when he comes back with the church, those who are dead in Christ will be caught up first, and those who are alive will be transformed in the blink of an eye. And then you will receive a glorified body with, with the Lord. They meet the Lord in the air when we're caught up together with him in the, in the clouds. So is it. Is it, is it when you get caught up, you get a glorified body, or or is it are you believer who dies in the Lord instantly gets a glorified body in the presence of the Lord? Which
1: is oh, that's a that's a great question. And so, you know, I didn't hear the sermon. I can't comment specifically on My, Michael Youssef's position, but as to your your clear question there, um, we when we die. Paul speaks of being absent from the body and in the presence of the Lord. So a believer, somebody who has turned from their sin and put their their faith, their full, complete trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, Him and Him alone, apart from our works, that their trust is in what Christ did sufficiently on the cross. A person who is in Christ, when they die, uh, they are personally, spiritually, consciously in the presence of the Lord, which Paul says is much better by far than uh, our current state in this sinful, sick, hurting, painful mortality. And so there is a blessing immediately for a believer who dies, but we have not yet received our final resurrection. That is still to come. And so I would not say that we are then in our glorified bodies yet, because that will come when Christ returns and appears and raises his people from the dead, which Jesus talks about uh, doing in John 6, Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, and so we, uh, we read about it all over the place, that there is a future resurrection of the body that we are looking forward to. That does not happen immediately at death. But that that doesn't mean that it isn't also true that spiritually, consciously, in soul, the person, the believer who dies, is immediately in the presence of the Lord, with Him, receiving comfort from Him. And that is a glorious thing, and yet it's not the final thing. Our hope beyond that, even better, will be at Christ's return— when he brings a new heavens and a new earth, he raises his people bodily from the dead, and body and soul together we will live eternally with him as resurrected men and women. Not as disembodied souls in some ethereal realm, but as living, breathing humans, yet without sickness, without death, without mortality. As Paul puts it in First Corinthians 15, that this... Mortal must put on immortality. This uh, this corruptible must put on incorruption. That there is, we're not casting something off. We're adding something more to us. In Second Corinthians uh, five, Paul says that we um, we we are not designing, you know, Right now, this mortal body is like a garment. And we don't want to be unclothed, we don't want to just ditch our body and leave it, we don't want to be unclothed, we want to be further clothed. We want we want more security. He compares what we're living in now as a tent. What we'll be living in then is a building, secure, firm, unshakable. And so uh, the picture is that we do immediately go into the presence of God at death, if you are a believer, if you are in Christ. But your your resurrection to full full immortality in body and soul is future at the coming of Christ. Does that answer your question?
3: Yes, sir. That's the way I that's what I always thought was going yeah, that's what I was talking. I heard the sermon from Michael Hughes called Behind the Curtain and I, and I I heard him preach on and I didn't agree with that part. So I had to make make sure that's what I'm calling to make sure if if I was correct or not. So you confirmed this, what I believe is Correct. Thank you. Clearly, you a lot more, more All better right. too, When you said about a tent in a building, so uh, I've never heard that before. So, I thank you
1: for that that analogy. Oh, that's I stole that from Paul. It's in First Corinthians. It's sorry, sorry Second Corinthians, chapter five. So you can go go read it there. Okay. Uh, I can't take credit for the, okay. the the Holy Spirit's work through the apostle, but <laughs> yes, that is a, always that's always been a very very helpful passage to me, and the analogies Paul uses there give me a great picture of what it is that that God does for us in the resurrection. Um, all
3: right. Thank you, Mr. Wayne.
1: All right. We, no problem. Thank you for calling, Alberto. Always good to hear from you.
3: Okay. You're right. Thank you.
1: All right. That was Alberto from Georgia. We are going now to Zach from North Carolina. Zach, you are, oh, we lost Zach. Okay. Well, let's, go then to Mike from Utah. Mike, you are on the air.
4: Yeah, hey, I just got some really good news and some utility type of advice for people, if you don't mind. I I was a, a Mormon that got excommunicated. <laughs> and, um, you know, i got to tell you, I, I really hated the Mormons for a long, long, long time. And I want to get back to that gratitude that you were talking about. So, I always looked at them as bigots and I and I was thrown under the bus by them and I was ostracized by them and I'll tell you being a Mormon puts you as far away from the Lord as you can possibly be if you listen to their their type of theology and all of that was building up through the years until the gratitude that you talked about came in and that's when I discovered that all that time I was hating the Mormons, and what they did to me, I was still a Mormon for that reason. That hate kept me attached to the Church. But as soon as I became grateful that I was able to leave the Church and find the Lord, that kicked into a different, whole another spectrum of, now I fellowship Mormons, and I work with them, and love them, and, and uh, you know, open my heart to them because I'm I'm no longer, you know, hating them, and if you want to get out of the Mormon Church, and if you're thinking about leaving it, most of the people that have left it, they have been thrown under the bus, they've been ostracized. Forgiveness is the first lesson that you have to get through, and then gratitude that God found you and delivered you out of that church and into the arms of the Lord, and that's the message for the Mormons who are Amen. thinking about leaving, it's glorious once you get to that point.
1: Amen. That's uh, it is so easy when you realize that you have been deceived, and <laughs> you, yeah. you you feel you feel used, you feel used, you feel lied to, you feel and for to carry bitterness instead of really basking in the grace of God that you can find in the true gospel. We're about to go to a break but uh, do you want me to want to stay on the line come back on uh, afterward?
4: Sure, sure.
1: Okay, alright. Well we'll be right back after this. No
4: problem.
0: It's Matt Slick Live! Taking your calls at 877-207-2276 Here's Matt Slick.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is Luke Wayne, a colleague of Matt Slick, filling in for him while he is engaged in uh, in ministry and unable to be in studio today. so it is a a privilege to be able to step in and answer your questions to take your calls. So give us a call at eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six and I'd love to answer your questions. Um, speaking of which, let's get back on the line with Mike from Utah.
4: Okay, well, all right, Mike. Kind of, you are
1: on the air,
4: oh, okay, well, yeah, I just kind of wanted to finish up with this fact that people when you're when you're a Mormon and you've been raised in the Mormon church, I have to tell you there's a lot of darkness that comes from your ancestry if you have it in your lineage, like I did, there's a lot of doors that have been opened to the wrong to the darkness, and there's a lot of Rituals and cults and things they do in the church that that these doors need to be closed and that's when you've got to ask God to close them for you because your ancestors could have opened doors too. I mean, my lineage goes clear back to the pioneers. And so let me let me ask you, Mike, what
1: what was it what was it in in your life that caused you to start asking? Uh, asking questions about Mormonism, and ultimately led you to come out?
4: Well, I adopted my boys, and, and they're African American, and I'm, you know, Caucasian, and we live in Utah, and they they started to love-bomb them and try to get them to join the Mormon Church, and say that the prophet has forgiven them for being black, and that they're they're no longer bearing the mark of Cain, and, and they went on like that for quite a while, and they started doing that at school, and it started to be kind of prevalent everywhere, you know, and and then I, when I told him, no, I'm not interested, I, you know, I haven't been to your church for forever, and then the whole thing shifted, and I was treated like a pariah. I was ostracized. I was, you know, my friends were no longer my friends. My kids couldn't go and play with the other kids. They had to go to the trailer park where all the other kids that weren't Mormon and couldn't speak English, and those were the only kids, the friends they had, and that was the turning point for me, and I was really—I had so much hate. And that was an inroad, I think, that Satan had, was to kindle that hate. And there was a lot of it. I mean, they were attacking my kids. They were attacking. Yeah, I think—yeah,
1: that's—it's its very true that often, if you if you realize that—and this is not just Mormonism, any false religious right. system— that you are in, or, or secular system that has you caught up in living for, uh, for, for a lie, living for values that have no eternal meaning and that take you away from your creator. Once you realize, hey, you know what, this isn't, this isn't right, the next weapon the enemy will use is to then try to turn you to bitterness, anger, despair, uh, to, to continue to keep you enslaved even when you walk away from that particular lie. Uh so then
4: then Mike, how did
1: crazy. you how did you come to to hear the, the gospel?
4: Well it's a real story I don't know if anybody's gonna believe this, but I was literally attacked by Satan himself, I think. I I woke up with the, the severe anxiety and depression. It came out of nowhere. I mean I didn't even think it was gonna but I never thought it was gonna go through something that's horrific and the only thing i could to do was to turn to god i didn't have any anything else on my mind I, I didn't have hate i didn't have i was just in pain you know what i mean through through mental anguish through mental anxiety and and i think i don't know if that was god's way to hold of me if i was being attacked by something but it was it was a process of me trying to get a hold of God and saying, you know, help me out here, you know. And I think that was the the beginning of what what shook me up the most because I could care less about anything after that. I didn't I wasn't spiritual. I smoke and drink and all that stuff and but you know, when I look back on the hate part of it, it was really like the voice in my head was saying, "Look what they're doing to your kids." And look what they're doing to your wife. And you just lost your job because of that. You're not getting paid as much much money as that person. And it just kept building and building. And then I went through this horrific anxiety and depression. I'll tell you, I had nowhere else to turn to but God. You know, that was it. And Mormonism, that went out the door <laughs> at that point. And so I think that was the beginning of my journey.
1: And so, at least to you... Do you now believe that and uh that
4: oh yeah, uh, I mean, that well,
1: your sins I, can be I, I, your sins can be forgiven, and that you could have eternal life through the finished work of jesus christ alone
4: oh yeah, i do but but I haven't gotten that confirmation of being born again if if you know what I mean, but I do believe that totally it's just it's like trying to tune into a radio station. I haven't hit the right frequency yet with God, but I, I think well, just does. remember
1: it's not it's not about it's not about an an experience. It's not that's another thing that Mormonism leads you to believe that you need oh, this man. inner fe- feeling, this kind of t- testimony oh. that uh, that tells you that. But the fact of the matter is that you can trust you can trust the promises of God, regardless of how you feel. And so when, when Jesus tells us in John, you know, 3, 14 through 18, that as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, lifted up on the cross, so that whoever believes in Him will have eternal life, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. He who believes in Him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There, for example... We can trust that that's true, regardless of whether we've felt anything yet. If if you put your full, complete trust and faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, and say, I can't bring anything to it, it's not Jesus plus my works, Jesus plus my baptism, Jesus plus my ordinances, my obedience, it is Jesus and Jesus alone, and I receive that. God, I am guilty, but you cleanse me in what Jesus has done. You put your trust in that. And
4: that you have ha- you you, are, you
1: you you will have his forgiveness.
4: Well see the Mormons teach that the the apostles in this dispensation of time will help Jesus judge mankind. And then they tell you that faith without works is dead. In other words, your works have got it. and this takes time for Mormons to get out of that thinking if you've been drilled into your head since you were understanding the English language as a kid. And and it takes hmm. I got, it takes a radical event in your life to pull you out of Mormonism, and I'm telling the Mormons out there that are thinking about leaving the Mormon Church, don't procrastinate it, but don't leave in hate. Turn to the Lord like you're talking about, and trust Him, and be grateful, above all, that you're being called out of that darkness, And, and don't just leave the Church and then become an atheist or leave, and believe in nothing like so many people do because they're hurt, but leave the Church, and like you said, trust in God and serve God, because if you don't, you're still a moron. <laughs> you're still caught in that darkness, and you're still in that Church, if you know what I mean.
1: I I, I hear what you're saying, yeah. And Now, have you found uh, a local community of believers, a, a a local church to fellowship with and, and be a part of as 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 you grow and learn since you've left?
4: No, no, absolutely not. I'm in the desert of uh Christianity <laughs> <laughs> or non Christianity I should say. This is a predominantly Mormon community and most of the churches that got established, you know, have either been run out on a rail or the Catholic church is still here. Uh, well,
1: I'm I'm a missionary out here in Utah. I'd I'd love to connect with you sometime, Mike. Maybe outside the show. So if you just want to uh, sure. write me after you get off the air at Luke at Carm dot org. Luke at C A R M dot Just uh, write to me there, and I'd sure. I'd I'd love to connect you to connect with you more and see how I can uh, how I just might be able to help be be of help or of service to you in your growth and in your walk where you are. Um,
3: sure, cause
4: and and I'll be,
1: a, I'll be I'll be I'll be praying sure, okay, for you, Mike. But, and
4: yeah, thank you. And, I appreciate that. And, that's that's big power there. I appreciate that. Well, it's uh, good talking. And to thank you, thank, thank you for, thank you
1: for your yeah. Thank thank you for your for your testimony and your uh, and your 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 words on here. I appreciate it, Mike.
4: Yeah, I appreciate you too. Thanks.
1: All right, that was Mike from Utah, and there were some important truths in uh, in what Mike said that. Um, you know, as a as a missionary to who, who attempts to reach out to people from other other religions and share the gospel, my goal is never to see people simply leave and then be angry at the lie they were in. My goal's not to keep, bring people just out of something, but into fellowship with God. That should that should always be our purpose. Now, you guys, uh, uh, we're going to have a break right here. But we'll be right back with uh, one more segment after this. And so we will talk to you then. It's Matt Slick Live,
0: taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt
1: Slick. Welcome back to the show. This is Luke Wayne uh, filling in for Matt Slick while he is engaged in ministry elsewhere. And I am uh, grateful uh, to be able to step in and, fill in on the mic for a bit. Um, uh, For those of you who who don't know me, again, this is Luke Wayne. I'm a colleague of Matt's at the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry. You can find us online at CARM.org. That's C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And if you... If you have questions, we would love to answer them. Uh, Here in the last 15 minutes of the show, give us a call at 877-207-2276. That's 877-207-2276. Would love to hear from you. Before getting back to the phones, you know, that last call with, with Mike that we just got off of, you know, one of the things that... That we kept coming back to was the the issue of gratitude, and actually, we opened the show with that. Um, an earlier call was dealing with uh, a, a friend who didn't want to hear about the things of God because the man was not grateful even for his own birth, spurned God for all the goodness that he had ever experienced in life, and that that issue of of, of gratitude is it It underlies so much in life we don't necessarily realize how much unthankfulness can can poison and affect everything else, and how much gratitude can transform and get us through everything else um you know this has been this has been a very big week for me in in extraordinary wonderful ways and in some some challenging ones um just one week or one week ago today i was in the hospital with my wife welcoming out into this world our newborn daughter elizabeth um and as a as a proud dad i'll take any excuse to work that into talking to an audience and let, letting everyone know how excited i am about that blessing god's given me that we we just just got to bring our girl home and that was amazing, is amazing. And yes, there's sleepless nights, and yes, there's there's challenges and, and endless crying and um you know, my my two year old struggling with the jealousy of not understanding, not being the baby anymore, and but in the midst of all that, there is beauty and goodness and, and joy of a blessing from God, of this new little life that God has given us, and now finally, after nine months, allowed us to hold and look at face to face. And oh man, I can't rejoice in that enough. God is so good. And yet, the very next morning, after our, our our daughter was was brought home, I woke up to find out that my my van had been uh, hit while well, in my parking space. A driver coming by had plowed into it, completely wrecked it. It's entirely totaled. Uh, even knocked over the pole that holds up the overcame so the the parking space isn't usable anymore. And that was, that was hard news. That was a very, very difficult thing to wake up to. And right at this moment, it's supposed to be this moment of great joy, and now all of a sudden my car is gone and my parking space is destroyed and, and it's our, our only vehicle for our family of six. And what am I going to do? That could have been an opportunity for me to be extremely ungrateful, for me to, to question God. That could have been a time for me to be bitter me to be resentful. And yet, by God's grace in His providence, it just so happened, as I was going to the hospital with my wife, in my Bible reading plan, I had arrived at the book of Job. And over those days, through the rejoicing of the birth of my daughter, through the time at the hospital and bringing her home, and all the way through waking up that morning and dealing with that news of the destruction of our family vehicle, I was being reminded, one, how good I have it, that a van being destroyed is really not that difficult a thing to deal with in the grand scheme of things. But even more, of Job's attitude towards facing far greater difficulties, when he says things like in Job one twenty one, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Within just a couple days, the Lord gave gave me this extraordinary gift of a child. And in His providence and in in, in in His sovereign plan, I he he took away. I lost a vehicle. Now the child is a far richer gift than the vehicle was a loss, but I experienced gaining and I experienced loss. Gift and cost. And I praise God in both. Similarly in Job two, verse ten, he says Job says, Shall we receive good from God? And shall we not receive evil? Or shall we not receive calamity? Shall we not receive difficulty? And it's a rhetorical question meant to say, no, of course, we should be willing to receive both from God. And in all this, it says, Job did not sin with his lips. He would not speak ill or evil against God. He wouldn't put accusation against God. He thanked God for all that he had gained, and he trusted God in all that he had lost. And how could I, having lost much less, and gained so richly. Have a different attitude than that. You know, we're just beginning the month of November today. This month brings us to the holiday of Thanksgiving, and this is a this is a truly, distinctly Christian holiday. Christian in its origins and Christian in its its meaning. Even though people of of variety of backgrounds celebrate it here in America, and and uh, it's. Its roots are ultimately in being grateful for things that no man gave us. Not only being grateful because a person did some kindness to me, I'm sure should be thankful for that, but thankful for life, thankful for a good harvest, thankful for nice weather, thankful for the beauty of the mountains that surround my home, thankful for my children thankful for every day that I am healthy, and thankful that I'm still alive on the days that I'm not. All of those things I, I can be thankful for because someone gave them to me. You have to be thankful to someone. I once had a uh, an atheist I was talking to on the sidewalk, and he said, oh, I'm thankful for all those things to which I had to ask, thankful to who? And Oh, I'm not thankful to anyone. I'm just thankful. But that's like saying, "I'm, I'm not helpful to anyone. I'm just helpful. No, if you're not helpful to anyone, you're not helpful. By definition, help has an object. By definition, thanks has an object. Gratitude has an object. You must be thankful to someone, or else you could say, well, I'm happy that that happens to be true, but I'm not thankful for it. But I am truly thankful for all that is beautiful and good, and even that in the hardest, most troublesome, most painful and difficult days, that I know I have a sovereign God who has a purpose in it all, who will see me through to a greater good. As Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And so, I can I can look to the wise instruction of Paul in Philippians 4, 4-6, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. When those difficult times come, when we have things we feel anxiety about, that temptation to be anxious we turn and we lay it out before God in prayer and in pleading and crying out to Him. But mixed in with that must be thanksgiving to recognize all that we do have to be grateful for. Likewise in 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18 Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What does God want for us in Christ Jesus? What is His will for our life that we would be thankful? Sometimes we wrestle with, I, I don't know what God's will for my life is. What does God want for my life? He wants you to thank Him. He wants you to look around and be grateful for all that He's given you, even in the hardest times. You know, Ephesians five eight. this is one we, we often... Teach these words to our kids, and, and we focus on the first half of it. it says there must be no filthy, filthiness of talk, no, no filthier or coarse jesting, which is not fitting, but so often we stop there, okay, don't talk like that. Don't let those foul things be on your mouth. But Paul doesn't stop there. He also tells us what should be on our mouth. There must be no filthiness of talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. In the same chapter, he goes on to say in Ephesians 5.20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Thanksgiving, gratitude, it's a Christian virtue. It is, it, it's, when all is said and done, we've been redeemed, we've been given eternal life, we've been forgiven, we have so much to be thankful for, but God has also done all these things so that we might be thankful to Him. In 2 Corinthians four, thirteen through 15 Paul says, But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you, for all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Why do we preach the gospel? So that other people can be thankful too. So that they can thank God and have have this, this wonderful gift to be thankful for and turn to the giver of all good things. For all things are for your sakes. I'll read it again. So that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That's our mission, to be thankful and to, and to give other people this gift to be thankful for. To spread gratitude to God by spreading His gift of eternal life through the preaching of the gospel. The author of Hebrews, in verse 13, or chapter 13, verse 15, says, Through Him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is... the the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. I hope if you you get nothing else out of this, that you'll walk away today giving thanks to God for every good thing in your life, and especially for the grace he's showed you in Jesus Christ. If you don't know that grace, turn to him today.
0: Another program powered by The Truth Network.